Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Well, if you're anything like me, folks, you have probably just spent the weekend looking at all the news and excitement coming out of the Star Trek Mission Chicago convention, which, as this episode comes out, just happened over the last few days. Unfortunately, when we're recording this, it's Friday morning, so we're right at the start of the convention. So all of you out there who uh, know everything that was revealed and all the cool stuff and guests and panels and stuff... Uh, We're not there with you in the timeline. We're earlier in the timeline right now, so we're going to be doing some timey-wimey stuff. But regardless, this is Positively Trek. I'm Dan Gunther, and with me, live from the Mission Chicago convention from his hotel room in Chicago, is Bruce Gibson. Bruce, are you excited for the first Star Trek convention you've been to in quite a while. Yeah, I'm very excited. The last convention I was at was uh, in Vegas a few years ago. I can't even remember. It was the one where Patrick Stewart came out on stage. I remember it well. I was there with you. 2018, uh, that was the last major one I was at as well. Wow, has it really been that long? (laughs) It has. Four years, if you can believe it. Did I return the next year? I don't even remember. Maybe I was there in 19. I know I didn't, but but yeah, we were there together in 18. And uh, I've been to smaller ones in 2019, but that was the last big Star Trek convention I went to. Yeah, I guess it was either 2018 or 19, whichever one. But yeah, obviously it's been a while since I've been in one. And I'm so glad to be in Chicago for this one. You know, even on the streets, seeing banners near the convention center and seeing Picard and Burnham and, you know, all these images of Star Trek people on them. It's like out in the wild. And I'm like, yes. And the other cool thing is when I'm walking through the hotel or even right outside on the street near the convention center, you know, I'm wearing a Star Trek shirt and people are saying things to me, people who aren't going to the convention. And they're just asking me about the Star Trek. thing. And some people like even at the airport, a guy said to me, Kirk or Picard in security, (laughs) you know, that was working security there and stuff. And usually when I wear Star Trek stuff out in public, usually no one says anything to me. And this started at the Atlanta airport before I even got to Chicago. And then like I had a guy on the elevator, he was here for another convention, a business convention. He said he's staying an extra day. And he said, so there's a Star Trek thing going on here tomorrow? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, the Cubs game might get rained out, so I might go to the convention just to check it out. So, <laughs> Oh, that's cool. I remember when I was going to the 2018 convention, the International Airport in Edmonton, Alberta, the security customs guy was asking me about Star Trek stuff when I told him that I was going to the the convention. And I think part of that was security reasons just to like, make sure is this legit or whatever. But he asked me, Oh, what do you think of like the, the, the newer Star Trek films or something? Mm-hmm. And so I had to get into it a little bit. I was like, well, I mean, they're not my favorite thing about Star Trek, but they're kind of cool. Blah, blah. And he's like, okay, I guess he's a legit 
Star Trek person <laughs> you can go. So yeah, yeah. So it's cool to just like be in Star Trek world, you know, because it's oh. not like this in your everyday world, right? So I miss that so much. I'm so jealous. <laughs> yeah, and then I've got my panel coming up, which by the time everybody hears this. You'll know if the panel actually was a success or not, because <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it will be. And uh, yeah, well, speaking of the panel, we've got some news to talk about. We're going to be talking about the latest episode of Picard later in the show, and that's season two, episode six, two of one. But a lot of numbers there. But uh, before we do that, we're going to, uh, like I said, talk about some news. So we got to lead off with the biggest news from the last week, which was, of course, First Contact Day passed by. And it did not disappoint. We got a big announcement along with kind of a mini little teaser trailer. I am not a man who needs a legacy. I think back on those days on the Enterprise and all that danger we rushed into. Those were the days. Evolution is not an act of preservation. It's addition. It is clear sacrifice is required again. John Luke, when the galaxy comes calling, you love it. Aren't we a little overdue for a good old-fashioned road trip? I promise you will not be alone. Ready? As ever. So with that teaser, we get the announcement of the return of the TNG cast for Picard's final season. We've got LeVar Burton, Michael Dorn, Gates McFadden, Jonathan Frakes, Marina Sirtis, Brent Spiner, all of them returning for Picard season three, along with, of course, Patrick Stewart. How cool is that? I I think it's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I I have to say, in some ways, I was kind of expecting it, but maybe not quite yeah. to this level. Like I thought, I thought we would get a sprinkling of some of these characters, but not all of them. But it sounds like we're get, well, what we are getting all of them. Brent Spiner, maybe not as Data. I don't, you know, but at least all this entire cast shows up either all together at some point or separately. But yeah, they're all going to be there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, like you, I guess I'm not completely surprised as well. I was kind of expecting a bit of a reunion based on some of the things we're hearing. But the one thing that kind of blows my mind is production on Picard season three wrapped a few days ago or a couple of weeks ago, basically. And they managed to keep this under wraps that whole time and announced it on their own terms and all that stuff. I'm like... 
I, I'm just like, good for you, Paramount. You did it. Good job. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I'm impressed. I, well, I was kind of wondering why they released it that day. And then I realized, oh, yeah, it's First Contact Day. But because I knew Star Trek Mission Chicago was coming up that weekend, I was like, why didn't they save it for then? You know, I know, you know, the majority of people aren't here, but it just would have been cool mm-hmm. in this big room of Star Trek fans to release that. And the screaming and howling that would have gone on. Can you imagine then releasing a video of that announcement with the crowd screaming? That would have been great, you know? But, ugh. That would have been pretty cool. I I do have to say, I'm kind of glad they put something like this out on first contact day though like it almost i almost wonder if they did have this saved for mission chicago and they're like oh no we need something for first contact day we made a big deal of it last year let's release this which then puts me in the mind of like and i mean i don't want to set myself up to be disappointed or anything but is there another big announcement or something coming from star trek mission chicago this weekend that that we're going to that everyone listening to this right now is going to know about and they're screaming at their players going oh you idiots you don't even know that i don't know whatever big thing is happening now in star trek well i'll know soon (laughs) (laughs) well you need to you know shoot me a text when you find out because oh anyway again there may not be anything you know i don't want to set us up for disappointment or something but I am wondering if there's some announcements coming. Well, yeah, I know at least of one. Hmm. <laughs> and it's on my panel. <laughs> Interesting. Well, we're going to get to that. Actually, let's let's talk about that now. So uh, we're getting a little bit of a scoop here in that your panel hasn't happened yet and this announcement hasn't gone out yet. But this podcast, of course, won't go out until well after that panel. So what uh, what do you have to tell us from the world of Star Trek books? Well, uh, what I'd like to tell you is I've been talking to the publishers before this panel, and they've been very supportive of giving me giveaways for the event and cover art and other things, including new books that (gasps) may or may not be coming (laughs) new books yay oh if we had a new book alarm i'd hit it right now (laughs) we should get a new book alarm put that on the list (laughs) so john jackson miller who is and as you're hearing this was on the panel he is releasing or has a new book coming out star trek strange new worlds (gasps) the high country strange new worlds novel okay excellent so the first strange new worlds novel uh it's going to be written by john jackson miller uh do we have an approximate release date we do it is on november 8th of this year november 8th excellent okay so the the fairly thin star trek book release schedule this year we do have an addition to it that's excellent Yes. So again, I don't know what John's going to say on the panel. <laughs> so, but uh, I spent some time with him yesterday, and I will tell you, I you know, hopefully no one shoots me, but the novel <laughs> is going to focus on Pike. Not a big surprise, right? Because Pike is the captain, so of course Pike's going to be in the book. But it's going to focus on Pike and his horse. So it's got. You know, if you like horses, this is the book for you. And uh, it's in the style of a Western. 
Very cool. Well, John Jackson Miller, the books he's written for Star Trek have had such a wide variety of styles. I mean, that that Rios book from uh, last year or the year before, whatever it was, so interesting and good with the gangsters and all of that. So I'm really excited to see what he does with this. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, he was telling me he doesn't want to keep doing the same style of book. So, you know, this is a Western. The Rios was more of a mystery and so on and so forth. If you look at his other Star Trek novels, you know, they're a little different from one another in this, the way it's telling the story, mm-hmm. uh, the style. So we're getting that book in November. And of course, we already knew about David Mack's TOS book coming out right after that. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, what's up in 2023? Are we getting new books? Well, I was given the green light and then not so much. So on the panel, we probably didn't bring this up. But I will tell you that I know that there are more books nearby on the horizon. Excellent. Well, really looking forward to that. Obviously, the last year or, or this this coming year, I guess, for the rest of 2022 pretty thin on the book releases but with uh with hope on the horizon so that's exciting i'm really really happy to hear that yes it's ramping up so get ready hold on perfect well i can't wait to be able to talk about more new star trek novels on the show with you uh in the coming months and years so <laughs> we're holding out hope uh for those books for sure i can't wait i'm always looking forward to reading the books i was talking to john and and Dayton Ward yesterday and i was just like john actually told me he's like he just finished the book just the other day oh wow and i and he's like so you know so he's talking you know just you know he doesn't know how much he's going to say at the panel and i said well John, um, if it's done, go ahead and send it to me now. I'll go back to my room tonight, read the whole book, and then I'll let you know what I think you should talk about or not. He's like, no, no, I can't do that. <laughs> it's like, well, I know that. I said, and I'm not going to be able to read it all in one night anyway. <laughs> but yeah, and then he, yeah, and also then he informed me, I think this is one of his longest books. And he says it's a little longer than the Rios book. So oh, wow. it, I, there's no way I would get through it in one <laughs> absolutely let's move on to our, our last little bit of news and this really is just a little tidbit of news because we don't know a lot about this yet but uh there was a tweet from trek Corps that the first big star trek chicago surprise is out and again just because of the timing of when we're recording this and when the show comes out there are probably much bigger surprises and a lot more news but we did get this little tidbit of a new video game coming, Star Trek Prodigy Supernova. And it's a new game that's coming to PC, Xbox, PS4, and PS5, and Nintendo Switch uh, from game maker Outright Games. We don't know a lot about it. We, there's some pictures of banners <laughs> at the convention, uh, and more details are said to arrive in May. So we have a title and some artwork, which is just the show artwork from Star Trek Prodigy. So yeah, uh, not much more to say about this other than cool. I never even thought of Star Trek Prodigy games. That's awesome. I know. I didn't even realize this was out there yet because I did see those banners. I mean, the convention doesn't start until Friday as we're recording, but I was there last night and I saw these banners as I was leaving and I was like, oh, I need to look this up online and see if there's any information out there. And I hadn't yet. So I can see, yeah, they took pictures of the banners and, and posted it. So <laughs> I, I, but when I did walk by those, I thought, oh, that's something cool. Cause 
I feel like I, I do better with games more focused at kids <laughs> than the adult <laughs> games. So I think I'll have more fun with this one. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, we'll definitely check it out. Uh, I've got a Nintendo Switch, so yeah, why not? I'll play some Star Trek Prodigy on there. Like I said, not much more we can say about it because we don't know anything about it, but cool. Star Trek Prodigy in the world of video games. I'm all for it. I I have an Xbox One, so I'll be getting it for that. Excellent. Well, with that said, uh, let's take a brief break. And when we come back, we'll talk about Star Trek Picard 2 of 1. This episode of Positively Trek is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon, including our Constitution class supporters, Jim Stoffel, Joyce Marin, Carl Morris, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, Paul D. Kinnear, John Blaber, and Jesse Earle. Thank you all so much for your support of Positively Trek. If you would like to become a patron of the show, go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You get early access to episodes, exclusive content, shout outs, associate producer credits, and more. Once again, that's patreon.com slash positively trek. Thank you to each and every one of you. And now let's fly. Sometimes fear is a friendly reminder. You're not ready for something. No. Fear is fear. It doesn't speak in riddles. Fear means You're smart. You understand the risks. So here we are, season two, episode six of Star Trek Picard, two of one. And we're continuing the adventures of Picard and his crew in the 21st century in 2024 in Los Angeles. And this episode was a bit different. So once again, like last week's episode directed by Jonathan Frakes, And we get the kind of adventure at the gala that they're all at to try and protect Rene Picard. So, uh, Bruce, when did you get a chance to watch this episode and how many times have you seen it so far? (laughs) (laughs) I've seen it one and three quarter times. Oh, wow. So I watched it the morning it came out before I got on my flight. And uh, just so you know, when the guy at the airport said to me, Kirk or Picard, I said, Picard, he went, eh, okay. And I was like, well, Picard's fresh in my mind because I just watched Picard, the episode, right? The the TV show. But um, yeah, I watched it that morning before I left for the airport. And then I was watching it this morning while I was eating breakfast here in my room. But then I had to head out. So I didn't catch like the last 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. How about you? I just watched it late last night after I got home from work uh, quite late. So it's pretty fresh in my mind. I wish I'd gotten a chance to watch it again. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I was a little tired. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll do fine. It's it's the last 10 minutes aren't fresh in my mind, but <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Well, speaking of the last 10 minutes and, and just kind of the way this episode is structured, we get this kind of flashback style where it starts out with Picard laying on the ground, uh, his face bloodied and obviously something fairly traumatic has happened. And we get people yelling, Admiral, you know, and, and panicking and trying to get him to safety and stuff. We don't know exactly what's happened. And then we get the card come up like 30 whatever minutes later or something like that. So this style of telling the story, are you a fan of that 
kind of, you know, showing little hints and then giving the backstory or how did she respond to that? I mean, in some cases I like it. Uh, when I'm thinking back to this episode, I don't think it was really necessary when I think about it. it I mean, because the first thing I thought when I saw Picard laying there, I'm like, what, is he going to be dead again? You know, <laughs> we, we killed him last season. I don't think he's dead again this season. I mean, it was a bit of a shock to see it start off that way because I thought, well, wait, the last episode, I don't remember anything happening to him. And then, oh, OK, this is looking forward or whatever. I mean, that style's fine, but it, I, I almost feel like they did it just because they want to get you at the beginning, you know, capture yeah. your attention but I feel like if I was going to watch all these back to back, I don't think that really would work as well. Yeah, I kind of agree. I, I don't mind that style sometimes. I think they used it very effectively in the first episode. I actually really liked how they did that. They showed the encounter with the Borg Queen on the Stargazer Bridge and then flashed back and then we catch up to it at the end. This yeah. one, yeah, I just didn't really see a purpose for it other than... Like, oh, keep watching, something's gonna happen, kind of thing. And you're kind of you kind of keep waiting for whatever it is that's gonna happen to happen. And yeah, I don't know. It, I felt it didn't really add a ton to the episode. Other than that, like I, I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was really good, but that just seemed an odd choice to me. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought that much about it, but I agree with you. It just it didn't work with this one as much as it did like in the first episode, because again, I don't think we're really worried that Picard's going to die. We still have another season. So <laughs> to put that up front, like, oh my gosh, is Picard dead? I mean, so I'm not like on the edge of my seat waiting to see if this is real or not. Yeah, no, that's fair for sure. Well, we'll come back to that and the whole situation with Picard as the episode comes back to it eventually. But let's talk a little bit about one of my favorite weird pairings this season that I'm really enjoying as far as like the acting and stuff goes anyway. And that's Gerardi and the Borg Queen. And basically for whom I, I'm pretty sure this episode is named two of one being like a play on a Borg designation. We've got two people in this one body, the Borg queen and Gerardi kind of sharing this experience. There's, there's a lot of great moments in this. And the one part of this I'm not a big fan of is, and we talked about this last week. It, it feels like Gerardi is once again, not in control of her own actions and, and very much so as the episode progresses, which is basically just because I feel bad for the character. <laughs> I want her to kind of control her own destiny a bit. But that said, the interplay between these two characters is really interesting. And as, as much as the Borg Queen is victimizing Gerardi through this, I'm enjoying the back and forth. And like, who knew the Borg could be so snarky, I guess, is kind of one thing I'm taking away from this. Yeah, my thoughts on that is I'm a little disappointed that they're doing this with Girardi and the Borg Queen, like we said last week, because we've really been enjoying the Girardi character this past season. And to know that she's going to be taken over by the Borg Queen and, you know, it's just she's not in full control. It kind of echoes last season, her situation. I like to get more of her self and her interplay with the characters that go down this route but you know it is what it is i mean it's fine it's going to turn out to be i think an interesting storyline as it continues on 
But then I thought at the same time, when I see the Borg Queen at this gala, I'm thinking, you know, back when I saw First Contact and we were introduced to the idea of a Borg Queen, if you would have showed me a picture from the future that showed the Borg Queen at a gala on Earth in the 21st century, I'd be like, okay, did Star Trek go off the rails? Because that just doesn't <laughs> seem like anything they would possibly do. <laughs> but I, so I thought that was kind of funny in a, in a way, you know, to see her there. Even though I know she's not really there. You don't, nobody can see her. Yeah. It just made me start to wonder how much knowledge she has about this time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it makes sense if, uh, depending on who they've assimilated over the years. <laughs> <laughs> right exactly that's what i was thinking yeah she could know quite a bit but yeah the the imagery of it is really fascinating like so we get this moment where the borg queen takes over and gerardi sings for the 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 assembled gala as like a distraction kind of thing which man she can sing like that was amazing i was enthralled through the whole performance and then at the end, when, you know, she bows and then comes back up hand in hand with the Borg Queen, like she bows kind of out of frame and then comes back into frame and the Borg Queen is there with her. What an image. I don't know. That just struck me as like, wow, this is so bizarre, but I'm really, I'm into it. Like I'm really digging it. Yeah. And the Queen has Gerardi's hand when they come up, you know, they're yeah. linked. You know, and now this is the final moment where the queen can take over. But yeah, when the lights went down and Girardi comes out and starts to sing, you know, they're in this big hall auditorium type, whatever, you know, two ceiling thing. And so her voice is going to echo out and she'll sound nice and loud. But then when she comes down the staircase and stand in front of the band, she doesn't have a mic. I'm like, can they really hear her over all those instruments? <laughs> and I thought, unless the queen is so powerful, because remember, Girardi's able to bust out of those handcuffs. Yeah. And she can really belt that voice out over the instruments <laughs> is really amazing. Can I just give a shout out to that band, by the way, for just like rolling with it? Like, right. they're like, oh, uh, I don't know who she is. I don't know. Okay. Well, let's just start accompanying her. <laughs> I just love that there was somebody around that said, grab a spotlight. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on Girardi. <laughs> that was great. I mean, not entirely plausible, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I did too. But then when Girardi sings and the queen takes over and her eyes go dark mm -hmm. for a moment. And then she just smiles. It's like, all right, people we're over. girardi has gone. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that shot of endorphins. That's exactly what I needed. What? Yep. And then, yeah. So that's the part that I'm not enthralled with. Again, I'll, I'll see where it goes. Like I'm giving the writers the benefit of the doubt and, and that sort of thing. But I just, ah, oh, it's, it's, too bad that two seasons in a row we've got Agnes Girardi not in control of herself. So I hope she's able to overcome this and vanquish the queen somehow. You know, I would love to see just almost like what we saw in the earlier episodes where she's outthinking the queen. Mm -hmm. That the queen's now using her. This was part of her plan all along. And then in the next episode or two, Girardi kind of turns on the queen and says, this was always my plan too. Yeah, You know, like I wanted you to take me over because 
I was using you and I had a backup plan. And so I won. And that's kind of how I thought it was going in the first part of this episode, where it did seem that the queen was more of a just kind of stowaway and like, Gerardi was like, I had to save our way to get home. So you're stuck in me, but you can't do anything. And I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. If, But then she does take her over later. So, but again, the tables may turn again. You, you make a good point there. We shall see. Well, let's talk about everyone's favorite supervisor, <laughs> Talon. I'm curious. I'm still curious about this character. We haven't gotten any answers as to why she and Laris look so much alike. And I've been seeing some theories out there. But even putting that aside, Orla Brady, I am just over the moon about her and her performance and ah, oh, just the, the little touches that she brings to that role. And the little, I think, hints we're getting as well. I mean, her hair was styled in such a way that in certain shots, her ears looked pointed. Like they were doing that on purpose to like evoke Laris. And at one point she swears and she apparently swears in Romulan. So what's going on here? What, what, what is this? I don't understand. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I missed that whole Romulan swearing thing. It didn't even hit me. I, I've been so focused on her accent. Yeah. To see how well she's doing an American accent. When they're in the the medical clinic, there was times I, certain words, she was slipped a little bit of Irish in there, you know? But mm -hmm. like, I get, my mind starts going like, how good is this? Mm, how well is she doing with the accent that I didn't even connect that. It, the whole thing's so weird that I, it make me wonder that, well, she's not necessarily earth person right mm -hmm. i mean she's been outside of earth through this whole organization that she's part of or at least has knowledge of things beyond earth that it makes me wonder in this episode i thought well she could she be a relative of laris I, I haven't seen any theory so i don't know i'm sure this one's out there too but just like we see soon looks the same as his great great grandson or whatever yeah <laughs> you know talon you know, mates with a Romulan or one of the ancestors of her, you know, whatever, and so on and so forth. I don't know. Yeah, Picard even brings that up in this episode. He says, you know, I thought maybe you're an ancestor of Laris, but she's a Romulan. So I, I don't know. That doesn't make sense. And Right. And that's when I thought, well, could be. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Some of the theories out there. So one that we brought up, of course, was that she is a shapeshifter, like, Isis, the cat from Assignment Earth. Yeah. And she, for whatever reason, looks like Laris somehow. I don't know. That doesn't, I, I can't figure out the connection there. I, it's not, that. yeah, that one does not work the more we're going into this because she just seems to be questioning, why do you keep calling me Laris? And what, like, if she yeah. did this on purpose to kind of look like Laris, I don't know why she would act like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you know? The other theory is, and I, I don't know, there's something about this one that I'm like, that's weird and kind of cool, is she's assigned to look after Renee Picard. Like, she's assigned to this Picard to make sure that she's going to be okay. Maybe she's the same person who also, you know, 400 years in the future, is assigned to look after Jean-Luc Picard. And Laris is actually a watcher for Picard. 
and they've somehow changed their code that they're not allowed to make contact with them. She's like, I'm just going to get right in there and <laughs> really look after him. So I, I don't know. There's holes in that one, but it's fascinating. I'd be curious to see if they'd commit to that kind of weird storyline. I mean, I can see that working definitely, but it wouldn't work. And I know it's not canon or whatever, but it doesn't really work with the Star Trek Picard countdown comic. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, she wasn't watching over Picard all this time and she actually was a Romulan and got married and for years and years and years doing stuff. And then he, she didn't go seeking out him. Yeah. You know, he found her. So I, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I feel like there's a different explanation to this that we've not thought of that maybe somebody out there's thought of anyway, but, but we haven't that it'll be revealed. Like there's, there's a reason there's gotta be a reason. And I'm curious to find out what that is. So, and I don't, I don't think it's either of those. I think it's something else, but. We'll see. Well, even if she was a watcher for Jean-Luc, she interacts with Jean-Luc in the future as a Romulan, where she's not doing that with Rene Picard now. That's that's why I said that they changed their code in that time, and she's yeah. decided to interact with him instead. My mind's now spinning, so let, let's move on, because <laughs> I, you're going to lose me here in a minute, because <laughs> I'm going to be thinking of other ideas. Fair enough. Well, uh, yeah, so I guess the the last thing we'll say about Talin is what the next episode is probably going to be about because at the end when Jean-Luc is all injured and he won't wake up out of this coma, even though there's no physical reason for him not to, she's going to enter his mind, I guess, and try and bring him out, which is a Star Trek trope at this point. Like that's something that's happened in so many shows and episodes that, yeah, of course that's what's going to happen. I'm And I'm cool with that. I'm I'm all for trippy trek episodes that are journeys through through someone's subconscious and psyche and stuff so looking forward to that next week yeah i i want i was hoping that teresa was gonna see them doing their thing like she comes back in the clinic and says wait where are you people from because you're using technology i've never seen before (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about teresa then because I really love this character. I was so thrilled they found a way to bring her back for this episode. And <laughs> Rios is so smitten. Uh, it's kind of adorable, right? I mean, it was kind of weird that he went through all these negative experiences, but he's so like grinning about having met Teresa and real cigars and the food is so amazing and stuff. It's, it's kind of funny given what he went through that he's kind of over the moon about being in the 21st century. It's like, it's not what I expected. It's so intense and loud with the honking and dirty and real cigars and this food and all this stuff. But he's totally taken with Teresa. And I love that. And I mean, I know this isn't exactly what happened, but it's like, Oh no, Admiral Picard's been hurt. Oh yay, I have an excuse to go see Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no, Jean-Luc's hurt. Oh cool. Yeah, I know who we can go see. <laughs> this gives me an excuse because I kept thinking, how am I going to call her? Like what what reason would I give her? Now I have a good one, right? Even though she's upset, she you know brings her in in the middle of the night to do all this. But you know, and then his reaction to the 21st century just reminds me of my daughter who uh, is going to start school in the fall. 
in New York and you know, we live in Atlanta and she's just like, you know, Oh, I can't wait for New York, the food and, and the noise and all that. I was like, Rio sounds like my daughter right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Rio sounds like my daughter right now is not a sentence I expected to hear today, but (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I I, I love Rios. I love all these characters. And even I love how earlier when we see Rafi at the bar and the bar, (laughs) this is one thing I wanted to mention. So she tells the bartender, uh, just give me a club soda. And you can tell because she's struggling. She wants to order a drink, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, she's trying to be good. And then Rios comes up, you know, Hey, I want some of this cigar. And she's like, uh, no, she goes, you're really like happy all the time. <laughs> like she sees all through, like he's liking this woman and stuff. But I also noticed, I didn't look the second time I watched it, but the first time I was watching it, I don't think the bartender ever brought her her club soda. Oh, so, shoot. I didn't think of that. <laughs> bad bartender. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, he didn't want to get back in the shot. <laughs> yeah. I thought, well, maybe put on the bar behind her and I didn't see it. I was like, okay. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Yeah, probably like club soda. I'm not going to make tips on this. Ugh. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so just a uh, final little bit about Teresa, I guess, uh, just to reiterate how awesome I think that character is. And I hope we see more of her, not just for Rios's sake, but I, I think she's really cool. She's kind of like the Jillian Taylor or the the Rain Robinson of this story, I guess. I, I know. I really like her too. But it just occurred to me. It's like, well, it's not like she's going to be sticking around for long because, you know, we know they're eventually going to get back to the 25th century. And then I just thought, oh, but wait, maybe she goes with them or we see a relative of hers that looks just like her and acts <laughs> just like her. <laughs> I hope it doesn't go that far. Oh, could be. Well, speaking of relatives that thankfully don't look just like their ancestors or descendants, uh, we learn a little bit more about Rene Picard, this astronaut. And and I got to say, I'm really glad they didn't just, you know, have her look like Patrick Stewart. <laughs> that would have been a little <laughs> weird. But uh, I, I, I'm really interested in this character. She's obviously going through a lot and Talyn is trying to look after her and stuff. But I really want to highlight the scene where, uh, so Gerardi and the board queen make their distraction and Picard's able to kind of sneak away and get alone with her. That scene between the two of them is just such a great classic Picard scene. I love these like inspirational words that he's saying to her to the point where like, I want to sample his dialogue from that episode and just listen to it every once in a while when I'm having doubts about myself and moments where I'm feel like I'm in over my head. I, I love the return of inspirational Picard. This is so great. I know. I thought how many times would I wish that he would just walk in to the room I'm in and just say, Bruce, fear is just fear, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, that was so good. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was classic Picard, but you know, he's older now. So it also feels like grandpa Picard in a way, you know, cause she's so much younger and he's older and it was like a, a certain comfort. Right. And I venture to guess that most of us at some point, or another in our lives through a difficult moment 
have heard his voice in our head, calming us or telling us what to do. And just, you know, seeing and hearing that, Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. It really reminded me of some of those classic Picard inspirational moments. Like there's the quote that everyone everyone uh, quotes all the time, which is Picard talking to Data, where he says to Data, it is possible to commit no mistakes and still lose. That is not weakness. That is life. And that this just felt in that same vein of of that sort of inspirational stuff from Picard that I, I love. So yeah, like I said, I just want to sample that and play it again and again until I'm like, okay, I can do this. I wish he would have a moment like that with Rafi. Yeah, I'd like to see a scene like that between the two of them, or even with Seven, mm-hmm. really with any of the characters, but those are the two that come to mind. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of Seven, she didn't have a ton to do in this episode. I think we see her kind of in the distance laughing and schmoozing with some people, but that's really about it, isn't it? Like, other than yeah. when they're all together at the clinic at the end and stuff. There's not yeah. much with Seven. No, there isn't. She's having too much fun at the party. <laughs> yeah. She's letting everybody else work, and then she shows up at the clinic. But yeah, even in the clinic, it's not like she was given that much to do. Mm-hmm. But we do get some insights into her, which is interesting, which is kind of something they've been talking about this season so far, which is her lack of Borg implants and how much of a weight off of her that is. And Rafi notices that, that she's more at ease with herself and really noticing that coming through with her personality. And so that's interesting. I'm I'm looking forward to more exploration of that this season as well. Yeah. I like how Rafi is coming at seven and how, yeah, there's a lot of baggage with those implants, yeah. you know, and not having that baggage. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. When she returns and she gets the implant, implants back assuming they reappear when hopefully they correct the timeline i'm just making all these assumptions i don't know <laughs> you know maybe they fail at this <laughs> yeah i don't know do, wait does that would that mean that discovery takes place in the future of the confederation time whoa no <laughs> oh man oh don't even go there now my head's spinning again but also my head's spinning again of what i was just saying like maybe they don't really get this right Maybe when they return, we're getting an alternate version that's similar to what we've been in, but maybe a little different. And I don't know. I don't even want to think about it. (laughs) Some Star Trek fans say that already happened with Star Trek First Contact. So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I I think it would be funny to see they find a way to piss off Star Trek fans, right? (laughs) By just saying, it's a whole new timeline from now on. It's like, what? That so would, wait, be, a, that would see... be a big energy move. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, when we see the TNG cast return, they're not the cast that we know from the, the timeline of TNG. They're from an alternate timeline. What? <laughs> well, I think regardless of whether or not they actually do that, there will be Star Trek fans on YouTube that say that is what they did. And this is not Star Trek and blah, blah, blah. So uh, there you go. yeah, I think no matter what they do. Someone will say that that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they have a YouTube channel, I'm sure. I'm sure they do. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's get back to the story because it's funny in my notes. It's like all of my uh, all of my notes are two characters together and how they relate, which is interesting because we've got Adam Sung and his daughter, Corey. And there's a lot going on here where 
Q has basically gone to Adam Sung and said, I need you to eliminate this problem. I need you to keep Rene Picard from going on this mission. He tries to do so by, you know, he he's he's obviously a very wealthy man. He gets into this gala and he basically just whispers to a security guard that that man is dangerous to referring to Picard and all of a sudden Picard's a threat and all the security guys are trying to get to him and stuff. So he's got a lot of power there. That doesn't work. As we said, Picard does get to Renee and and manages to talk to her and keep her on the mission. And from there, he just gets in his car and tries to run down Renee. The realization he comes to that what he will do to protect his daughter some of what he says is so scary and just frightening. This, the Sungs are. What did what did, Alt, what did Data say at the end of last season? He's like the Sungs are an acquired taste. That is putting it mildly. These guys are are pretty terrible in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, they are. It's yeah, and it's kind of an odd situation or choice to decide to run Renee Picard over with a car. Cause you're just assuming she's going to walk out there and not really many other people are going to be around her to the point that you can drive. You know, you'd just be sitting there waiting practically all night, but I guess he kind of was leading knowing she was going to leave and leading in that direction. I, th- I honestly think that's what he was doing. He was sitting out there waiting, just waiting yeah. for an opportunity, but then he failed at it. Yeah, not necessarily his fault because of that other Picard uh, <laughs> getting in the way of things, and that's when we thought oh, Picard's dead, right? Jean Luc's dead or whatever. But you know, him going back to Corday and and talking about she's like, "What's wrong? There's something wrong," and she's starting to get so suspicious, and and he's even acting like you know, I'm always failing at everything. Like I'm not even getting things right. Like even when I tr- think I'm gonna, like it's just like. You know, in some ways I feel bad for the character because of what he's been going through. And even when he has an, a way to achieve what he's trying to achieve, even if it's the wrong way of doing things, he still can't get there. And and yeah, so she she looks into his work and, and does a Google search, I guess, and also looks through his personal files and sees him tied to eugenics and being called a mad scientist. And she finds out that he's created who knows how many, uh, quite a few of these, uh, these offspring, I guess, genetically engineered offspring. And she's just the latest in this long line. And he's basically committed to protecting this one at all costs and ensuring that she survives. So the lengths he's willing to go to for that very frightening. Data was the only good one to come out of that family, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Him and B4. <laughs> yeah, B4 was... Well, even he betrayed the Enterprise. I mean, you know. I know. These soons. Uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So wait, this was episode, what, six? Yes. Or seven, six. So yeah, we've got, what, four more left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm ready for this to to start to tie up. I'm ready for us to get to the, okay, we're, now we're getting near the end. Because I want to see what happens with Sung and Corey or whatever, who she really is. Or whatever. Like, I'm I'm ready for answers now. Like, I'm ready to get there. Yeah, I'm curious to see where it goes. I'm 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 excited for the journey. I'm all for this kind of slower pace. I'm really enjoying the unfolding. It's kind of funny. I I would really hate if they did this. This is not how I want to consume Star Trek, 
but it feels like this season of Picard is more in line with some of like the Netflix series that drop all at once, right? Like it feels like this would be one that you would want to binge watch. Yeah. So when it's all said and done, I feel like I might do that, just go and binge it over a couple days kind of thing. But for now, I'm I'm enjoying the slow unfolding and the discussing the theories every week and stuff. So Well, it gives us more to do here on the show, right? Absolutely. <laughs> we get to yeah. talk about it more. For sure. Yeah. No, I'm I, I'm really hoping that we get something that we're not seeing. You know, that we're like, whoa, did not see that coming. Like I said, I'm curious to see where it all goes. Well, uh, I guess with that said, we've got uh, the loose ends at this episode are Talon about to go into Jean-Luc's mind to kind of confront this trauma that he's experienced that we know has something to do with his mother. We've got Agnes Girardi a.k.a. the Borg Queen, loose in 21st century Los Angeles. And we've got Teresa ticked off at Rios. <laughs> All of these things, I'm assuming, will get tied up over the next few episodes, and we'll find out where this is all going. But with that in mind, do you have any final thoughts and a rating for two of one? My final thoughts are, like I was saying, when I say I'm ready for this to wrap up, it's not like, okay, I'm done. I'm ready. It's just, I'm so invested that when an episode ends, I'm ready to jump to that. I want to keep going. Like, and I, it's like, I have to wait another week and I'm ready to get there. But the fact that it's like that for me, that I'm that invested really says a lot. And like you said, we're getting little bits and pieces as, as we're moving through each episode. So the pacing seems just about right. And yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, Teresa being back is cool because I like her character. I'm going to miss Girardi if she's just a queen now. <laughs> but I hope she comes back. And uh, her singing was, yeah, quite enjoyable. I wondered if that was a song that she knew because she's singing a song that's relevant in the 21st century. And I wondered... Did Girardi just know, oh, this is a song I know that's from this time period to sing? Or did the queen know that because mm. of people she's assimilated and she knows and projected that through Girardi? But then I thought that's a kind of funny situation, too, that the queen would know pop music from Earth. <laughs> you know? But anyway, some of this stuff, I'm like, did the, the Borg queen assimilate Tom Paris at some point? Because <laughs> he seemed to know everything about the 20th and 21st centuries. Well, it's funny you said about Tom Paris, because I thought about that with Rios, because Rios was liking the 21st century so much. I thought he could be the new Tom Paris where he gets back to his time, but he's always like reliving times of centuries past, <laughs> you know, totally, like a Tom yeah. Paris. But and that yeah that scene with Jean Luc and Renee really great so I'm gonna give this episode four out of five club club sodas that did not arrive oh all right okay yeah I as usual agree with a lot of what you said I'm really enjoying this episode I can see some people complaining about the pacing and stuff but like I said I'm really enjoying it I love the slow burn I love I want to spend as much time with these characters as we can, because yeah, there's the plot, there's the story, there's what's going on. But what's really relevant to me is how these characters are reacting and, and, and experiencing this. I want to see why seven 
is so much more at ease now without the Borg implants and how that affects her. I want to see Picard deal with this trauma that he's been going through. I want to see Rios connecting with someone unexpected and, and finding joy in these small things that he's discovering in the 21st century. I'm there for all of these little moments. And the more of those we get, the the happier I am. So I'm really enjoying this season. And it's funny how much I've connected to these new characters. And I say new characters, this is season two. We've been with them for a while, but I just, I love this group of people. And I'm so curious to see how Rafi deals with this trauma of losing Elnor and, and her getting past this and, and getting through it and, and coming out strong because I know she's a strong person, you know, and all of this stuff. So yeah, I, I have to give it, I think I'm going to say four and a half unexpected solos <laughs> accompanied by a really, a band that's really on top of things. I, I just, I'm really raving about the band. Those guys are just on top of things. <laughs> I hope they come out with an album. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I would buy that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make a statement on what you said about really loving this cast, these characters. When we got the news about the TNG cast returning in season three, mm. one of my thoughts was, Oh yay. But I hope this doesn't take away from these other characters. Cause I want more of them. Yeah. I'd, I'd be really sad if, they took a back seat to the old cast members as much as I love the old cast members, you know? Uh, yeah, that's a really good point. I don't think they will, but I, I did worry about that. Yeah. Well, when we're not hoping that our new favorite cast members aren't supplanted by our old favorite cast members, Bruce, where can you be found online? By the time you guys are hearing this, I'm recovering from my hangover. You can find me <laughs> on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. And uh, you can occasionally find me recently on literary tracks. And I would say the same with Star Wars Report, but Riley dropped the final episode with none of us on it. And so I guess we're done. So no more Star Wars Report. But I am assisting and managing the Star Wars Report website and all the podcasts that are part of that network will continue. So Star Wars Report isn't dead, just that podcast, at least for now, until Riley misses it and changes his mind in like a year. I'll give it a year. But yeah, I guess that's where you find me. And of course, our Goodreads group is where you list our books and we need to figure out what books we're going to do coming up soon. We, we haven't figured that out yet. So be on the lookout on our site for upcoming books. Thank you for reminding me about that, Bruce. We will have that discussion right after we're done recording here. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Kurtrats, that's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S, and youtube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Positively Trek. In the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook, we'd love for you to join us if you haven't already. And our Goodreads group where we have our upcoming novels for the book club episodes, which we will hopefully update very shortly after this discussion. <laughs> so thank you all so much for listening. Thank you especially to the Patreon supporters. We really do appreciate your help. We will see you in the next episode. Until then, as always... Stay positive.
Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.